Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tennessee Twos Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Daniel Bacon. Across from me is my co-host, Ethan Jenkins. And yeah, what a weekend we had. I mean, so many things to talk about. I mean, two Daniels dramas this week. How often do we get to see something like that happen? All All right. right. We're we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. I'm I'm gonna tell you what. Um, if you guys are listening to this post produced on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio podcasts, just so you know, we are live on Facebook every Tuesday night, Tennessee Tuesday. Feel free to join us. We always have our chat rolling. We'd love to have you in here commenting, giving us your opinions, asking questions, whatever you guys would feel like, you know, inputting. We love to hear from you guys. Um, if not, please feel free to drop a rating on our podcast. It helps us out more than you can even possibly imagine. And it's 100% free to do so. Um, and with that, I think we're just going to hop right into it. Um, big news of the week, obviously, Champions Cup has absolutely multiple winners. Um, but before we jump into that, Daniel's drama. We had two of them this week. One of them happened before the tournament started, so we really wanted to talk about that because it might have played a factor into the tournament and how it played out. There were some players who kind of spoke out about this and really were confused about this. Um, And I got to say, I'm a little bit confused about it as well, but I've got maybe a little bit of a different look compared to what some people might be saying. Um, But essentially what we're talking about now is the rule that you cannot move stuff out of your way that's outside of your standard lie. And what that means, basically, is that under the old way that the rule was interpreted, that you could move anything out as long as it was in your run-up and it was behind your lie, didn't really matter, dead and unattached, as long as it wasn't a part of the course that was intended to be there, right? Correct. Now, under the new rule, basically, is it has to be within your stance area. So if you're going to take your natural stance or the stance that you would need to throw from your lie, you can move anything out from behind your lie in that situation, but you cannot move stuff out in a run-up situation. It has to be within your standard stance area. Um, And there were a lot of players who had some interesting complaints about this. I definitely have a couple of tweets I wanted to read and just hear what some players were talking about. I don't want to put anybody on blast. I'm not, you know, disagreeing or agreeing with anybody, but I do want to talk about, you know, what some players were saying. Um, Andrew Presnell had even tweeted about a uh, hot disc golf topic in the past week or two has been the rule change of no longer being able to clear debris from a player's run-up. At the Champions Cup players meeting, PDGA addressed this issue and said, if there's a safety concern, just throw a standstill. And he followed that up at the end of the tweet with, seriously, question mark? And then he posted a video of a former throw that he had made in a past tournament about, you know, cleaning up some of his run-up area and saying this is now illegal. And this has been a pretty hot topic. Um, And just give me your thoughts before I go into my thoughts. Um, I, I mean, I think this is what they intended the rule to be originally. They just didn't state it correctly. Um. Basically, they're just wanting to punish people that are off of the fairway in the rough. So, you know, they're like, if you don't think you can do a run-up, do a standstill. I think it's more of a way for PDGA to create their own scoring separation. Um, That's kind of where my mindset went with it. Um, Do I like it? No. Do I hate it? 
no, it doesn't affect me. You know what I mean? So right. I haven't had to see it um, until this weekend, though, where people, they were kind of making fun about fun of it, you know? Um, like, you see, I don't know if you've seen, but a couple of times Greg Barsby, <laughs> every time he went up to his lie, he would go, like behind it, <laughs> like this, <laughs> making and, making sure he was within his area. Yes, you know? and then he would kick it out of the way. And then Casey White, I don't know if you've seen this either, but he laid down on his stomach backwards and did a snow <laughs> angel. <laughs> so, oh so my gosh. the players doing that kind of made it awkward but funny. You know, it's like pros shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't have to. Um, right. But at the same time, it was kind of entertaining. Uh, so, you know, I take what you will with it and run with it. Yeah. Look, and the biggest complaint and argument that most people replied to that tweet or in their own tweets or subtweets or subreddits, wherever you got your information when it came to this was the PDGA doesn't care. Like, you know, this is just going to create more injuries. They don't care if anybody gets hurt out there, this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of agree with the idea. Like, I don't like the idea of intentionally having a rule there that's going to, you know, encourage injury. It's mm -hmm. generally not a good thing. I mean, when we can get out to the course and we have tee pads that are iffy and we have a card agreement that we can, tee from one side or the other and the tournament's okay with that and the td's okay with that that's fine i don't see how this is really any different i mean when you're talking about what should be what you should be able to do on or off of the course like it's just it's one of those things where i don't think they're trying to make people get hurt but i don't understand why this rule needs to be there now i'm of the point of view that they're not at this point trying to create injury or you know, trying to prevent people from disturbing the course in unnecessary ways. I think that they're just trying to make the game harder. This is too. one of the little <laughs> steps that I think that they've tried to take to reduce scores on the course. You have to go up there and you can't clear out your running area, so throw a standstill. Guess what? A standstill is a lot harder when you have to talk about the distance that some of these players need to get on these levels of courses and then hit accurate lines doing it yep. at full power. I mean... I don't even know what else to say. I, so, but I think that's what it is. I, it brings in more parity, too, with that, though. I feel right. like. Because, like, look at someone like Conrad. For instance, I'm just going to pull yeah. him out. It doesn't matter if it's 80 feet. He's doing a run-up because that's what he does, you know? So, right. for some people, it would detrimentally affect their game. For someone like Corey Ellis, who can throw 400 feet standstills, um, yeah. he's like, do it, do it, please do it. You know what I mean? Because that gives him a leg up. And yeah. it's also another one of those things is like the way that the rule is now with them being able to stretch however far they can stretch their legs, you know, and create their stance. Um is what they can clear. If someone is like Emerson Keith, he's at a That's disadvantage. Amazing. You know what I mean? It's just, 
if you're, and, and if you're Ganon Burr, or Scott Stokely, you're at a massive, you're exactly. a massive advantage there. You, you stick out your leg as far as you can. That's already an more than likely they can Emerson reach Keith. the next person in line that, that's up the fairway. <laughs> so it's like, I got you, bud. Don't worry. Let me be your windshield wiper. Yeah. Overall, I don't think it's a good rule, but I don't think it's the worst rule. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of understand. I think I know what they're going for. And a lot of people are complaining about the injuries, but in essence, they're trying to make the game harder, which is something that we've all talked about. You know, the game, especially on the MPO side, the game kind of needs to be a little bit harder. We shouldn't be seeing people go out there and consistently throw 10, 15 down rounds on these types of courses. The kind of goal, when you watch like the Masters a couple weekends ago in actual golf, some of the best rounds were four down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it, they're just trying to make the game harder, and I understand it. I don't know that it's the best way to go about it, but it is what it is. I don't see the rule being hyper-changed quickly. I don't think there's going to be anything that changes through this season. I think it's going to be something either. that will... I think so. I, 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 I think that it's something that players will just get used to. I truly do think so. I think it'll be one of those things that, like the Mando rule, it's like, Okay, this is dumb, this is dumb, this is dumb, but you're still going to play with it. So, Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see if, if the players put up enough of a fight at the end of this season to get rid of that rule, but honestly, I think it's here to stay. And who's going to be the first person that calls somebody on it? I don't know, but I can tell you something. Being the first person to call somebody on a rule is the second Daniels drama, but we're going to recap the tournament before we get to that one. All right. Um, so Sounds as like for this plan. rule, I think it's interesting. I don't know how much it really affected this tournament, but I'm sure it had an effect on this tournament when they went into their players meeting and asked about it and got a final official, just do it this way, you know? Right. So I'm sure it had an effect on this tournament, especially on a course like this. So for anybody who might've missed it so far and wants to hold the integrity of not knowing what happened, Click off now. I'm giving you three seconds. Otherwise, we're spoiling Champions Cup for you. Sorry, not sorry. Uno. Dos. Trace. Hit him. Get it. Give me the breakdown. All right. Well, starting off with MPO, um, you had Mr. Robot Chicken himself, as you've seen in the title, um, taking down the Champions Cup from behind, might I add. Um, he played some of the best golf that I've seen in a while. Um, him fighting back and chasing down Rick was actually really exciting to me. I heard a lot of people say that it's not exciting watching Chris on lead card. And I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand why. I don't understand that. Um. I had a great time. I did too. I, I loved every second of it. But, yeah, Robot Chicken was in full swing. Um, he was carving fairways, you know. Um, we ended up having a lot of interesting names up towards the top, which a ton. Um, this was awesome to see because you kind of get that competitive edge out of people when it's a major, right? You right. start, they know it's for something. They train really hard for this one thing. And it means more. So to me, going into this major, it didn't really feel like a major yet, other than the course. 
after I seen the field play the way that they played, it felt like a major. Yeah, uh, it, oh, 100%. it did. Um, but yeah, we had uh, Chris taken down first, had Ricky and Calvin tied, correct, for second? No, Ricky beat out for a second by one stroke. Oh, by one stroke, okay. I didn't know. So they were solo second and solo third. All right. Yeah, so we had Chris, Ricky, then Calvin. Um, and then we also Coriolis. had my Dark Horse pick from last week. This close to hitting that podium, man. He really was. He played some so great disc close. golf, man. And he played consistently all the way through. Yeah, he it was did. beautiful disc golf the whole week, and I was really impressed with what he did out there and that he was able to do that for basically four rounds straight, Yeah, which has kind of been one of the digs on him is, you know, he's one of the best putters in the entire game, hands down. Yeah. But how consistently can he get off of the tee? And when he doesn't get off the tee well, can he scramble out of it? And that was some stuff that we saw out of him this week that was really impressive. Yep. And we also had in fifth place several people. Um, yeah. We had a four-way tie for fifth. Uh, Gannon Burr, Emerson Keith, Matty O, and Gavin Babcock, who snuck onto the lead card um, for the final round. And this man's step putt is impressive. I like I, his step honestly, putt. Honestly, there was a lot, of part, a lot of parts of his game that were really impressive. I was, he I was mean, very smooth, very consistent. He reminded me of a taller Mason Ford, if I'm being honest. Like, the way that he approached his lies and approached, like, yeah. his... Uh, preparation for the throw um seemed a lot like mason ford to me uh or a bradley williams style but yeah i was i was actually uh really enjoying watching him he was able to hang in there with them you know what i mean he played a really good final round with all those cameras and everything on him i don't think you could have asked yeah. him to do much better a seven down is very respectable at that course especially on lead card yeah, especially, I mean, one of his, like, first, I, I want to say that's his first experience on lead card with all those cameras at a major. It is. Um, I don't know if it's his first lead card with cameras, but definitely at a major, that was his first time around. It and was, that just made the pressure that much higher. It was supposedly, he went out there. Um, it was supposedly his first lead card ever with cameras. He has only won six events before, and they were all C-tiers. I so, mean, composure. Yeah. What, what else can you say? The composure that he had. Nah, and he's to go gonna... out there and put 100% from circle 1X. Yeah. I, uh, it doesn't get better than that. It literally doesn't get better than yeah, that. Yeah, no. He he was good. And he was really good from circle 2, too. Um, yeah. I, yeah. 67% circle 2. That's, yeah. that's really good. But, uh, yeah, I was just going to... And also, Gannon, um, if he would have shot... Anywhere close to what he shot on the final round, any of the other rounds, he'd made podium. Like I mean, that's, that's just, he he would have made podium. He went out there and he and he shot a course record until, of course, it was taken down by somebody else. Yeah, uh, just yeah. some guy named Paul Macbeth, who whoever that guy is. Um, yeah, just casually I mean, having until, the time of his life back there, <laughs> casually throwing a sixteen down at WR Jackson and it wasn't even rated eleven thousand. We'll get into that later. Eleven hundred. Ridiculous. I understand eleven thousand. <laughs> but I, I mean but it still, felt like it should have been eleven thousand, all right. Yeah. That was about as close to a perfect round as it gets. And he had two blemishes. So 
yeah. For the people that say Macbeth is washed, we will say it again. No. And the, the, the fact that he did that with an elbow injury, I want to throw that out there. He went out there knowing that he was basically limiting himself on forehands in a similar way that Eagle limited himself at LVC yep. on his forehands. And that is a hard course to go out there and not have your forehand. Let me tell you, some of the shots he made with a backhand should not have even been possible, and he made them, and he made them look easy. A lot of the rollers that he just pulled out of his butt. <laughs> I, I mean, what? I I don't know. I can't even throw like a good roller on a soccer field half the time, and he's I was throwing half a I was half tempted to text you and be like, "Hey, so uh, you know that best disc golfer thing that we done." You know, we built the best MPO last 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 week. Yeah. So um, yeah. the creativity thing, uh, we may have to swap some things, but <laughs> yeah. I, it's like look because he did it in Waco too. You know what I mean? Here, like, and here's yeah, and here's the thing. One of the things that we had talked about was, um, the reason why I felt like you know there's style on the course and there's swag on the course, and then I t I chose to interpret style on the course as play style. And Paul Macbeth proved why he has the best play style. He took that course and played it a different way from everybody else on the field and made it look easy. Made it look like he was playing pitch and putt out there. You know what I mean? I just yep. I, his his approach to the game is just so methodical, and I don't know. I don't know that we'll we'll ever see another player quite like him. I'm not saying we won't see another player as good as him or do the things that he did, but we'll never see a player quite like Paul Macbeth ever again. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, he, uh, you thought Macbeth didn't play his scores weren't on PDGA Live? Huh. That's weird. He definitely did. Um, I, well, to, to give you an idea when he shot that 16 down on the final day he was all the way down in the mid to low 20s yeah so he was he was down at like 29th place or something after the third round so well, it might have been three. you just weren't looking low enough for him so just <laughs> imagine just this hitting. all right picture this in your brains all right everyone listening everyone watching imagine going out to the course all right any anybody's home course all right this could be the easiest course, the hardest course. It does not matter. Go to that course. You go out there, and you shoot a one up, a one over, right? And you're like, okay, that feels pretty good. That like it's okay. It's almost a thousand rated round. Well, the next day, you're like, oh, stretch. Oh, got a pop. You know that felt good. I'm like all right, I feel <laughs> a little better today. Go out there, shoot seventeen strokes better. The next day, the very next day, less than 12 right. hours. I wish that happened to me at my tournament this weekend. <laughs> Just imagine doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I what? I, I don't know anybody else that can, but evidently he's done it more than once. Yeah. Oh, he has. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that blew my mind. I Just thinking about that, I was like, just imagine waking up and being like, ugh. Yep, feeling excellent today. Gonna throw really good. Yep, I feel a good feel, 16 I'm down feeling, I'm feeling like I'm gonna push for a near-perfect round today. <laughs> yep. 
yeah, on no. one of the most punishing courses. Yeah. On tour this year. <laughs> um, no big deal. Yeah. But seriously, absolute huge congratulations to Chris Dickerson. I mean, he was he was it. Yeah, I don't know what it was. When we got through probably the first nine holes, I didn't feel like he could lose. I, I thought see, I, I, I couldn't feel like I, and I wanted to, you know, I want to point out that I was team Vinny all day long because I just want, I want Vinny to get this win. I wanted it so bad. I love Chris Dickerson. He's absolutely deserving. I'm so happy he won because Tennessee representation up in the house, baby. But I want it for Vinny so bad. But once he got to hole nine, yeah. I was like, ah, Chris is Chris is taking this home. He is taking this to the house. I have no doubts about it. Yeah. I, mm. um, I felt bad for Calvin. I, it seems like this is a common record that keeps playing in my mind. Is like, please, Calvin, something. Let let something. Let the chips fall his way. Like just just let him get one. I don't care which one. Let him get a a win under his belt. That way we can I can stop feeling bad. Okay. Yeah. Um. Seriously. It, yeah. Seriously. Um. I he's as Nick uh, or Matt on the Nick and Matt so, show says. Calvin is the best player to not win, ever. Like he is literally yeah. the best player ever to not win. Like, I don't know. I've got a feeling it's going to happen this year, though. It needs to, man. It. it he, I've, I've just got he's a shown feeling. so much. I don't know which one it's going to be. Inconsistency. I don't know which one it's going to be. I don't think it's USDGC, but I think he's going to win one of the majors this year. I hope so. I hope. Yeah. Ben in the chat is mentioning that. Did Paul McBeth also play? And yes, it was so Memorial when he went out there and shot that eleven hundred rated round to start, and then the ten ninety six or something the next day. Yeah, he had left his um, RV in, in Waco, Waco and then went to Memorial, and he left his main bag, his tournament bag for the year, in Waco with his RV and played with an entirely brand new bag when he shot that eleven hundred rated round. You are correct. Yes. Um. Jeff Corns, I believe it is, the one that does uh, resistance discs. Um, yeah, he was there, and he just gave him a lot of discs. So. <clears throat> the, but the beauty, the, the one thing like about those types of courses are is you go out it's there, risers. and he, he even said, he was like, thank, discs and roll. thank God it was these, these courses that we were playing because all I had to do was build my bag around overstable stuff and trust that they are going to do what they're supposed to do, and they did. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly <clears throat> what he said in his interview. <clears throat> yep, that's that's all you need out there. Um, so, does this win really prove that Dickerson is the best Woods player on tour right now? I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind anymore. I didn't really have a question. I still felt like, even from last year, he was the best Woods player on tour. Um, I thought Ricky may have been the best scrambler on tour. I don't necessarily think that anymore. Um, I, I just think all around, I think Chris is the best pick in the woods. And the cool thing is, is 
this is kind of taking the model of Paul, if you really think about it, um, of where there's really not a course that's out of his element. If you're good in the woods, you're going to be good in the open. Yeah, I mean, he has the distance for everything. Exactly. And, you know, the fact that he can play in the woods like that, I mean, right. there's really nothing he has to worry about at that point. Yeah, if you can carve lines, if you can see what you can see, like he sees it, you're kind of unbeatable in the woods unless somebody is just having a freakish round. Well, and we kind of saw that at um, at MCO as well. Um, yeah. There were a couple of times where when we were walking around and you, you were talking about some of the stuff he did in the first round, he said, and you would point out, like, oh, most of the players are going to land out here, but wait till you watch what Chris does because he's going to do something ridiculous. Right. And he's going to land way up here, and, you know, he would do that. And it's just like he has he has a very similar kind of the way that I talk about Paul Macbeth where – he approaches it and he doesn't approach the course from the way the designer designed it to be played. He says, how can I play this course to make it my best game? Right. And I think that's super important. And I don't know if Chris has spent any time with Paul this year, but I still feel like he has elevated his game this year. And not just because he's in a new bag or because he's playing with Discraft. I feel like there's a new mindset with Chris Dickerson this year that is different. And I don't know that if he had stayed with Prodigy that we would have seen this, but I can guarantee you that Prodigy is looking at him right now saying, oh my God, what did we do? Yeah. I promise you they're Absolutely. saying Absolutely, right yeah. I mean, because this, and then you look at what Kevin Jones is doing for them. You know, and not to bash on Kevin, because we are big KJ fans, but overall, you, you lose Katrina and Chris and Matty O, and you see what they're doing. Uh, it's it's not it's not good to see if you're a prodigy fan no um no prodigy <clears throat> has a lot of stuff going for them right now but none of them have hit pay dirt yet yeah exactly they've got a lot of young rising talent they really do yeah. because ganon is kind of taking that role right now he's the top 20 yeah. guy um <clears throat> one thing that i did want to point out though about chris i feel like Discraft did him such a solid on the RV, the tour expenses, the, um, but yeah, so the, the tour expenses, the RV, the money, the guaranteed money, the 250000 guaranteed, right. that takes a lot of pressure off of him, so he can go do these things, he can go tour, and I feel like he's just literally playing harder because he wants to hold up his end of the deal. I feel like he's that kind of guy. So I feel like we're seeing yeah. an elevated elevated Chris strictly because this crap done him so well. And that's something that they say in every interview. Look, I mean, this is a way too early prediction. It's only April, but I think we need to watch out by the end of the season when we talk about like UDISC rankings or, you know, PDGA world rankings or Statmando world rankings, the world better watch out because we might be seeing Chris Dickerson number one at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, Statmando's already got him at two, right? Something like that. I uh, haven't looked at Statmando this week. Yeah. I think Statmando has him at two now, um, which I think he deserves two at least because Eagle should have dropped now that he played Champions Cup. Um, Chris won. He should have at least topped Paul. 
Ricky, I understand him staying where he's at. If he's number one, that's fine. I think it yeah. should be Ricky, Chris, Calvin, Paul, Eagle. That's where I think it should be. I still um, think you have to put Paul above Calvin right now. Until he wins something this year, whether it be, you know, an A-tier, Silver Series, you know, it's got to be something notable for him to win before I'll take him above Paul. I, I but can't, he's I definitely can't in the top four. Strictly for the fact of he's got the highest average placing on tour. Consistency. But he still hasn't finished it off. I, yeah, but as far as like the most earned and the most um, consistent, I feel like that's got to get you somewhere. You know what I mean? It It does. It gets him locked in the top four. It just does not put him above Paul for me yet. He's got to win something notable. And then I will say, all right, you know, but he's got to do it first. He's yeah. got to get the dub. Even if because it's a silver Paul's series? Because Paul's a proven winner. Even if it's a silver series. Okay. Because, because Paul doesn't have any elite that. series right now, and he doesn't have any majors this season yet. So if that means if, if Calvin goes out there and wins a silver series and Paul hasn't won an elite series yet, then yes, I, I will give you that. Okay. But he has to I'll get th- I'll agree with first. that. I'll agree with that. I'll take that. And, yeah, Ben, bravo to Discraft for unleashing the robot chicken. The robot chicken strikes again. Second major in his career. Congratulations to that. It's his third win on the season. Third win in a month. Yeah, but, I mean, third third win on on the full season. And we're not not even to Jonesboro yet, and he's won three times. But think about it. Just... That 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 four week span was insane, and oh yeah, he didn't. He took a week off. Yeah, he played three tournaments in a month and won three. What? What, what else can you say? <laughs> Since the Open at Belton, he's undefeated. So, mm. Mm. Calvin has a higher ceiling this year. Calvin has a higher ceiling every year right now, Ben. That's the problem is he has the ceiling <laughs> yeah. and he never reaches it. That's that's why we're always Team Vinny when we get into these final rounds and he's this close. And I'm like, come on, Vinny, you can do it. And he just we're always, always just back falls and forth. a little bit. <laughs> Team Vinny. Yeah, we're like Team Vinny. We just want Team him to Vinny. get one, man. We do. We're, we're rooting for you, Calvin. We really are. Um, I have to say one of the one of the observations like that I made this week that I messaged you about and you hadn't started watching MPO yet. I don't know what you were doing, but you were busy and I was watching and this is the most frustrated or emotional I've ever seen Calvin on a course like it almost made it so much harder to watch being that I was rooting for Team Vinny this weekend to watch him be so like wearing his heart on the sleeve because it's something you never see calvin heimberg right right always still stoic you could tell how much he wanted this one and it almost hurt to to watch him just get to the end and just be a little bit short again uh he's gonna go in history down for the most top three finishes the most podium (laughs) finishes i swear the most podium finishes without wins i it's he's gotta be pushing it i'm not joking it's always somebody's week, you know what I mean? Like, it's always Ricky's week, Chris's week, Paul's week, Eagle's yeah. week. It's never Calvin's week, but he's always second or third. Like, yeah, I could see it. 
I want to see it. All right. Mm-hmm. We've sp- we've spent a lot of time on MPO. On, on MPO. All right. Going let's, on let's to FPO. Um, on FPO side, we had Miss Paige Pierce taking it down uh, with a nine-down finish. Uh, Kristen Tatar taking it down or taking second place. Unfortunate circumstance on hole 18. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. And then Sarah Hokum uh, taking third. And there was pretty much no real parody up towards the top like there was in MPO. Um, in FPO, you kind of could see the top 10 being the top 10 in my eyes. Like, me just reading them off, do you yep. think anyone sounds like they shouldn't really be there? Paige, Kristen, Sarah, Own, Katrina, Valerie Mandahano, Alexis Mandahano, Natalie Ryan, Kona Starr, Missy Gannon, and Haley King. Yeah, and Haley King actually, actually tied for tied 11. For 11. So she was just she was just outside yeah. the 10. Um, so the only one maybe I, I would have honestly said, yeah, I was going to say the only one I would say I didn't expect to be there was Natalie. Um, but she also had to shoot a three down to get to there. And let's also be honest, when you talk about anything below fifth, they were over par for the week. Yeah. And we also want to point out that when we got down to the final round, the best score, um, going into the, the final rounds, um, outside of Paige and Kristen, was one down. So one down versus the two players at eight down, it was a two-horse race when we went into the final round. There wasn't nearly as much like, oh, wow, what's happening right. in the chase cards? What's, you know, it what was... could happen? It was pretty set in stone that one of these two players was going to win. Now, I want to give Katrina a really big round of applause for throwing that seven down in the Horse final record. round. I want to point out that I we had both picked her to win. Yeah. And she really disappointed us for three straight rounds. Pulled it together that last round. I, you know, I don't know what was going on out there, but she was just struggling to get on the fairway and make good shots and scramble out of bad situations when she got into them. And her putting was good. <laughs> yeah, the putting was fine. Yeah, I, she I, just you know, it but, was, she was off the fairway a lot. Yeah, and <coughs> that's just that's W.R. Jackson. You but know? Paige was off the fairway a lot too. She just scrambled a little better. Yes, and she bounced back a lot more often. Oh, yeah. So when she did take those bogeys, She'd she was back coming back and taking a birdie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at just her final round, birdie, then on five, bogey, and then par, par, birdie, bogey, par, birdie, par, birdie, par, double bogey, bounce back, birdie, bogey, bounce back, birdie. Like, she yeah. responded to the mistakes that she made. And that was so important for her because by doing what she did, by taking that bogey and then absolutely lacing her drive on 18 and then playing a very good upshot as well, she put the pressure on Kristen, which unfortunately the most heartbreaking, like just double whiff you've ever seen in your entire life um, on Kristen going up there and that just was hard for me could to watch. not, she couldn't hold her composure, and I don't know. I don't have words to explain how hard that was to watch. I felt so bad. I truly did. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a Kristen fan. I've been a Kristen fan for a long time. So I wanted Kristen to win this from, like, 
from the beginning of lead card starting off, I was like, all right, Kristen, let's go. Let's go. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, I like Paige, and there is nothing wrong with Paige winning again. It's just like, it's kind of, and I, I don't like being this guy, okay? I don't like being this guy, but I don't like Alabama strictly for the fact that they win all the time. You know what I mean? And yep. I just want to see other people win, and we've got to see it this past couple of years, and I, I really like it. You know, now Paige is gonna be in there. She's gonna be a contender because she's the greatest FPO probably of all time. If not now, will be. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I mean she's she's in her prime. She's not anywhere close to slowing down. Right. She's she's going to go down as the best FPO disc golfer of all time. Right. When her career is over. And her legacy is not anywhere near over. But I wanted to see Kristen win. I did. I I feel like she's had a a Calvin type year, um, other than Memorial, um, where it's been second place, third place, second place, second place, second place, third place, and it's like you got this. You know what I mean? Like she was in control. She was in the driver's seat. She uh, Paige took that double bogey, basically gave it up on like what was it, fifteen hole fifteen, and uh. I was like, Kristen's got this in the bag. She held the two-stroke league all the way until hole 18. Hole 18 comes. She throws a... They both throw just kind of average drives. Paige has a really good upshot. Um, Kristen doesn't have that great of an upshot, and then her approach was not that good. You could tell the pressure was sinking in. Um, I. It's just one of those things... I would have done exactly what she done. Um, I know you'll probably play devil's advocate on me, but from that putt on the edge of circle two, it was probably not edge of circle two, but it was probably like a 40 foot, maybe 42, 45. What do you think? That first putt that she made or missed. Attempted. It, was 40, it was 45, 50, I would say. Um, could have been closer to 41, but I want to say it was right around 45. I would have probably but tried to leave it short. It was, but it was forty yeah, it was forty five, mind you. It was also downhill and she yeah. sailed it. Yeah. She missed the basket completely. And that's where it kind of really you know, I texted I texted him and I kinda asked, Do you think he would have laid that up? And part of the reason I said this is not necessarily that I think she should have laid up. Yeah. I just had like a little bit of a devil that like he said, a devil's advocate like spot in my mind where the thought process was you're putting from mid to deep circle two and you're putting downhill. If you missed, it's going a mile. Um, and not only that, you have played off the tee 10 times better than Paige has that entire round. Mm -hmm. So all you had to do is, you know, if you did lay up or maybe <coughs> did some, like a little like lofty Anheuser bid, maybe where it kind of set down a little yeah. sooner or a little softer and then nailed your putt, took it into the playoff um was basically just beat her off the tee because you don't need to output her you just need to outthrow her and that is always Paige's weakness in the woods can yeah. she be consistent in the woods the and problem, we saw the inconsistency her card shows the inconsistency yeah. that she can have in the woods I agree so that that was just the argument that I had made I'm not saying she should have laid up yeah I'm just saying 
should it have been maybe a thought process or maybe should she have changed the approach that she went into that with? Yeah. I don't think she did anything wrong. I want to point right. that out. I truly think that in her mind, she had a chance to go ahead and win. You know what I mean? Like, she had that chance and not have the lioness on her back. You know what I mean? Like, in the playoff, nobody wants to go against Paige. Um, unless you're Katrina. But... No, but she had also, still, you know, outplayed Paige the whole weekend up until those putts. She had. But who knows what would have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I would take my chance at, at trying to win it. And unfortunately, she just, it was a bad putt. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it was. You could you could see the nerves really kicked in there. The confidence was not on. She had no confidence on her face when, when we saw that putt. Yeah, I wish on her, on her comeback putt, she would have took more time. She rushed it. Her emotions were really getting to her. Um, yeah, I. It was hard. It was hard to watch, but um, overall, the final round was like match play, truly, and it was fun to watch. Um, congratulations to Paige. Um, she is always there. You know what I mean? She's just always there. Yeah. She makes sure that, to keep everyone honest. Because if you mess up, see what She's happens. She's Now, I want to point out that this is the second time in a row that we have picked somebody to win this tournament, and we had said something explicitly along the lines of, I don't know that Paige has the stuff to win this tournament. And she wins the tournament. I'm I feel just like not we, gonna we're do not, that anymore. We're not, we are not allowed to say that Paige does not have what it takes to win this particular tournament because of a course style or this or that or whatever it is ever again. Yeah, no, 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 no. Nope. We're never, we're never allowed to ever nope. talk about that. That's not gonna happen anymore. Not for me. You shall not hear me say that. Um, but yeah, I mean. That was a pretty good little tournament recap, to be honest, about how everything went down. And Yeah, I'd say so. What did you think you about were... the coverage? Well, you know, before we get into coverage, mm -hmm. I was thinking, let's, let's talk about the tournament itself. Number one, first major of the year, and we've kind of already touched on it, but I want to get like a full scope of our ideas. Uh, first major of the year, and number two, inaugural event for this major. The Champions Cup, the first time we've ever experienced it. And I have to be honest, I was worried going into this event that I was like, you know, is this going to feel like a major? How good is this really going to feel? And it exceeded every expectation I could have possibly thought about. I mean, from front to back, every player out there had a fire and a passion and a desire to win this. It truly felt like a major from front to back. You could tell how much these players wanted this. And to do that in your very first year of having a tournament and calling it a major, super impressive, really well done, very proud of what they did out there. It was great. It's because of the course, though. I don't think it was just the course. I, I think that it was, even in some of like the tournaments we've seen this year, like Texas State or Waco, it just... You could tell how serious the players took this event compared to every event we've seen this year. And the fact that the players took it that seriously 
is what really made it feel like a major, you know? Yeah. Because I... we all we all know that like we 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 saw Hunter tweet about it a little bit this last week. Hunter from um, Foundation Disc Golf. Um, what does a major mean to you? And you know what's so important about a major and this, that, and the other. And well, look, the truth of the matter is, is you can say whatever you want about what makes a major important. But what makes a major important is that it's the most important stat that you have at the end of your career. When somebody talks about, oh, this guy won three hundred times. Great. How many majors did he win? Zero. Cool. So he won 290 C tiers and a few A tiers. Right. Awesome. Right. But when you say that you've won a major, instantly you are automatically that much better. Yep. Right. There's, it's so coveted to be a major winner because number one, there's less of them every year. They're the biggest tournaments of the year. They're generally invite only. There's a player cap that's smaller than most of the bigger tournaments of the year as well. And the field fights so much harder for it. And I thought that they really captured that this year, even though it was only the first year. Right. Um, kind of side note, but it popped in my brain. Um, this is going to be a random tangent, and uh, I'm not sorry. So um, what do you think Discraft will do since, you know, for majors... You, you you normally get a disc, right? I mean, you usually do. Um, right. Uh, some type of commemorative disc. Well, the disc that Chris used the most was a bonsai. <laughs> yes, the bonsai. From DGA. Bonsai. So, would it be possible for Discraft run a commemorative dga disc i don't see why not um would that not like i i don't think there would be any issue when push comes to shove because the worst comes to worst is that dga gets extra advertising simply because of that it's no different for me than like the fact that you know jeremy Colling has a store series disc but his signature series disc is, is a mortar with his name on it is the mortar from millennium and you know, I think it's it's a similar concept. I wouldn't have, I don't see any problems with. So it's kind of like Calvin with great. the Draco too. Yeah, exactly. And Barsby with the Scorpius. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I uh, I just hadn't really thought about it for Discraft or DGA. Um, and DGA not owned by Discraft, but Discraft is the manufacturer for all of DGA's discs and plastic. Um. But yeah, so I I would totally pick up a bonsai. I'm not gonna lie. Like that sounds cool. Bonsai. A, a the Chris a Dickerson bonsai. A robot chicken bonsai. Please. What What if we got we got the robot chicken? Um, got the robot chicken buzz. What if we did a limestone laser bonsai? Oh. <laughs> oh. Ah. I like this. All right, we're gonna. I think that's a good idea. Yep, clip this segment, ship it out. All right, clip it and ship it. Clip it and ship it. Yep. Limestone laser bonsai. I like it. Bonsai. <laughs> but yeah, so that's 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 what I was thinking. Um, I honestly figured he'd throw a lot of Undertaker, but he needed more speed, so that's why he threw bonsai. Um, 
Yeah. I was impressed with that, to be honest. And surprised. Yeah. And you know when he got that disc? Isn't that one of the first discs like he ever had? No. Uh, that's he, he had threw a bonsai a long time ago, but oh, this okay. one was a new bonsai, and he got it Monday. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a staple in his bag now, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, he got it Monday. He had two days of practice with it. Hey, so. that's cool. I mean, now we'll finally start seeing something other than a force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Something other than my overstable force, my stable force, my understable force, my, my, my really flippy, flippy force. My flippy force. What? My flippy what is force. A flippy force. It's like, is that a it's, thing? It's not it real. Says force on it, but we're pretty sure that mold's wrong. There's no way that's a. That's force a sail. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's not a force. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um. Wait, we didn't talk about the coverage. Did you want to talk about the coverage? I mean, it was pretty good. To be in the woods, I thought it was about as good as it could be. Yeah, I mean, camera work-wise, I don't really have too many complaints. Um, commentary. It was what it is. I All I have to say, like, for FPO side, or really just in general, was the amount of times I heard the word incredible for stock shots. Yeah. Was upsetting. <laughs> incredible. And... I, I'm in the minority here because Elaine King is literally a historic legend in the sport. Yeah. I hate her commentary. I, can't, I don't like it either. I can't stand it. The amount I, of times that in, during FPO coverage, anytime that they're together, there's just like, oh, that was a really great shot. She's going to have a really good line from there. And then they get up there and wow, this is not the line I expected her to have. It's like every other shot that she commentates on yeah. is the exact opposite of what she says it was going to be. And I just, But still, it, for me, it's it's the incredible line. Well, incredible. Yeah, but she also flips the verse so much. It's like she critiques very hard um, as well. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, she turned that over an inch to the right. Now it's going to be way over here to to the right and it definitely wasn't the line that she intended and it's like okay <laughs> thanks you know what i mean it's i i don't know bring hannah Macbeth back <laughs> hannah Macbeth, we're calling for you yeah for real i really we'll enjoyed real. i i enjoyed christine jennings on on there too um yeah. i but i don't know it's that's just me and my personal opinion. I don't care much for her commentary. I like Elaine King. I just I'm not a fan of her commentary. However, yeah. on the other side, um I want more Brian Earhart. hundred percent. And Philo. I I know a lot of people don't like Philo. Philo says the most off-the-cuff, ridiculous stuff every single week. He has a new catchphrase for good shots every week, and I love that. I love because, it. He's such a like good said, color. Like, and that's the big thing. Like I said, like the amount of times I heard incredible was just so overwhelmingly annoying that I can't stand it. But 
like seriously every time philo's on he has a new catchphrase for the weekend and it's yeah. always new yeah i know like he just says weird stuff too like oh he put a little bit too much mustard on that hot dog <laughs> right <laughs> i love it what? he's such a good color commentator like if what brian if brian Earhart was the play-by-play yeah. right and philo was the one providing the color commentary i it would be perfect for me uh, and yeah. then you have your I think I could get down I could get down with a Brian and Ian Anderson too as well. Well, I, think I was they thinking could definitely work together, but I was I, thinking I like an I was thinking an Ian Anderson and Nate Sexton. And <laughs> and Nate Sexton is so brutally honest though. I like, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I do. I truly like that. I think cuz I think like Nate Sexton is is what Elaine King wants to be. Yeah. But she just doesn't get there. Yeah. I I can see that. But Nate does it well. Yes, um, so well. So, yeah, I could see Ian and Nate doing very well. But I think if Brian and Philo were a team together, which I hope they try this one time, it'll be my favorite tournament regardless of who plays in it. I could care less. <laughs> I don't care what happens because that commentary is going to be gold. Yes. I And I used to kind of not be on the Philo train. Philo has upped his game on the commentary. Like, he does research. He does, he, you can tell he's taking it serious. And I just appreciate that. Like, I the do. Other thing, the other thing I really love about Philo is that he's played all of the courses that we see. And he's played them all multiple times. The amount of times this weekend alone that we heard Ian say, oh, I think he's going to be in trouble over there. And Philo was like, no, 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 I think he's going to be fine. He's just got to the point yeah. where it's going to open up right there. And he was right. He's been and, there. Like way you know more I mean? often than not, he yeah. was right. Exactly. And it just He's like it the perfect Tony Romo in football. Like where yes. he, he, you know what I mean? He's calling Wait. it out to what, how it's happening, but he's not giving you that play-by-play. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas he could... But he does a better role if he's not doing that. And I just, I think he does very good at, at he's kind of found where he belongs um, as far as providing that color commenta uh, commentary. And I'm about it. I like it. So, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to mention how good Philo's been doing. All right. Well, next. Do we, do we want to hit Daniel's drama number two? Yep. Daniel's drama double part time. Two. I hit it with a triple D and you went part two. Part two. Not cool, dude. Not cool, dude. All right. So here's the thing. The thing. Everybody who has been anybody who has been paying attention to any type of like what's happening in disc golf this week has seen what happened with Kristen and her daughter. Okay. For those of you who didn't see, I'm going to start with Kristen's Instagram post because it is the most direct source and not the, um, well, I've seen this and this is what happened or I've seen this and this is what happened or I was there and this is what happened or I don't want it to get blown up out of proportion. This is what happened. I want to start with her Instagram post and see what she said. Okay. Last week was intense and it was it was very hard to sum it all up. First of all, I'm grateful that I had the chance to be a part of the Champions Cup. In my opinion, the venue is great. I absolutely loved it. Can't wait to play it there again. 
Secondly, I wanted to tell you all that I have the best daughter in the world. She is so tough and brave even at a young age. It turned out in the middle of the final round that she could not walk with me and had to go into the crowd, plus find a supervisor for her. Otherwise, I might be disqualified. I was very confused and my heart was racing at the moment, but I can't imagine being Aiden in a foreign country or culture and asked to leave being beside your parent to walk with strangers. I know that she, that I probably would have cried when I was in her shoes, but she was so tough and went with volunteers. I'm very proud of her. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, one of the things that they've done in the last couple of years, and I can't remember whether it was this season or last season, was they upped the age of minimum caddy requirements to 13. So she couldn't be out there as a caddy or whatever you want to call her. She was not allowed to be out there with her mom, right? And I get that. And I understand a lot of these rules. Now, to go from that to maybe a couple other sources, um, one somebody had posted, and I can't exactly remember exactly where, but basically we'll just get in here. Before things get out of hand, number one, it was not a competitor that noticed the rule violation. It was at hole four when it was noticed the child was not um, with them for the other rounds. Um, this was done to protect her. Imagine being a com or if a competitor found out and wanted to call her on it and the PG PDGA would have been uh, obligated to disqualify her. Um, they cited the Val Jenkins incident from back. Um, the staff arranged to find somebody to supervise the child and handled, uh, they handled it with a lot of class, in my opinion. Um, there was kind of some other stuff that went around. Apparently, they got the daughter a quiet sign, so she was able to remain up in the front of the gallery, um, just a few feet back, you know, that sort of stuff. And the idea of a disqualification was, quote unquote, never considered at all. Um, it was more of a let's remedy the situation now before anything happened. But once we find out a rule is being broken, we can't ignore that. That comment specifically came from the PDGA marketing director, Danny Voss. Yeah. And there were a couple other comments. Apparently, Elaine King was actually the person who made the initial comment. I don't know what the accuracy of that is. That's been the forward thing going on. Apparently, she texted Paige's caddy yes, about the situation and then kind of went from there. Now, number one, disrupting a round like that for something like that, I get, but I also don't get. Because... I feel like we're starting to get into this situation where we're not respecting all the rules the same. And I'm going to bring up how many times we've talked in the last few weeks about Nico and the amount of time it takes him to putt and the conversations we've had about it. It needs to be a rule and we need to respect it as a rule or it needs to not be a rule at all. Right? Yep. How many times have we seen him get his warning for time, go past his time and never get his stroke? Yeah. Right? A lot. And this is, this is, for me, this is the same thing. And to do this on the final rounds of a major in the middle of the round, like this left such a bad taste in my mouth for so it many It was her daughter reasons. potentially going to see her mom win a major. I. <sighs> yeah. So I hate it. I hate the rule. I think that there is a distraction um, or a courtesy violation that can be called if you're having, if the card is having to quote unquote, quote unquote, babysit. 
okay? If they're causing a distraction, if they're causing a disturbance, if they're doing something, if they're kicking leaves and stuff in the background while you're trying to prepare your putt, or you know what I mean? Like, okay. Or while I, another player is trying to prepare their I get that. But that's Kristen's responsibility, and she takes that on. But that's not a disqualifying case, in my opinion. Like, she, the, the girl, the young girl is obviously very respectful, very well brought up, and was super calm the entire round. And even Paige said, like, I didn't even notice she was there most of the time. Like, no one thought, two thoughts about her being there. They wanted their, they wanted Kristen's daughter to be included. And granted, the way that the staff operated it and got her up front, got her with volunteers, got her, the way that they handled it, kudos to the staff, okay? That was great. They wouldn't have had to done that, and they wouldn't have done that if it wouldn't have been for the calling of PDGA. Um, but there was six marshals on that course, and all of them were on that lead card at this time. On, uh, and <laughs> they didn't say anything. PDGA, um, Joe or whatever his name was. Sorry, I can't remember it. Um, but he was the the guy that was. He walked up to Paige in the middle of the round, right before her tee shot, and was like, "Hey, tell Haley to check her phone." And that's a distraction in my in my mind that's distracting to Paige and then therefore it's distracting to Kristen which could have strictly been avoided by just not being talked about but it's a rule and you have to abide by the rules and i understand that um so that's what makes it a difficult call yeah and <clears throat> The part that I'm, I'm just like, I'm so confused about more than anything else was when Danny Voss said it was a let's remedy the situation now, but once we find out a rule is being broken like that, we can't just ignore it. Well, why do we ignore so many rules so many times, but this is the one we chose to enforce in the middle of a round at like, it was not that big of a deal. It's like, not the card wasn't anything. complaining. Nobody in the card was upset about it. The card even came out and said, we barely even noticed that she was there. It wasn't like a Why is this the rule that we're choosing to enforce, but we let all of these other rules slide all the time? Right. I just don't, I don't get that. It's just one of those things where I find so frustrating that they chose to enforce this rule at this particular time instead of saying, you know what? Let's let this round play out and let her know, don't ever do that again. Yes. There you go. That's all you have to do. You know what I mean? It's like... Hey, next time, just make sure that she's behind the ropes, that she's got somebody, and it, it would have been fine. She would have done that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not it. <laughs> because here's the thing. When we look at that and we look at everything that happened this weekend and we look at Kristen's collapse, I'm not going to say, hands down, if her daughter was there, she'd still have won. We don't know what would have happened, but we can say for one thing, like one thing is for certain that that 100% affected her mindset through the rest of the course that absolutely day. absolutely we have no idea how that would have played out if that had never happened yeah and i mean it goes both ways you know it, it was distracting to Paige too you know yeah she was trying to talk to her caddy about her shots 
and her caddy's having to relay a message from Elaine King to Kristen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like <laughs> I I understand Elaine's King Elaine King's position in like the she PDGA was trying and who she is and her level of authority and her responsibility at the time. But it was also just such a weird like there's no way that the best person to contact in that situation was Paige's caddy. Right. That that there's no way that was the best point of contact for her. And no. I that's the, that's one of the other things that I'm like why? Yeah, that one was a brain scratcher for me too. I I don't know why that had to happen like that, but it did. Um I <laughs> Elaine, you can tell it just by the way that she does commentary that she is a stickler for the rules. Um yeah. so could you imagine Elaine King commenting when Nico's putting? I she would probably make a lot of fans. <laughs> she would probably make a lot of fans because she would be calling somebody on PDGA and be like, "Hey, hey, hey, beat that up! Hey, 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 this ain't working." He's the amount of times we would hear her say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm back." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, that's Daniel's drama part two. If you guys have any thoughts about that situation, feel free to let us know in the comments. Tweet at us, comment on Facebook, comment on Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the situation. We know it was controversial. I don't think there's anything else that we can really say about it, but those are our thoughts and our feelings. And yeah, it's just I feel like it's just going to be one of those years where every week or every other week we're going to have a conversation about some rule that is just I mean the fact that we had to talk about two different rules this week and the way that it was enforced I think it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but we're going to have to keep having these conversations this year. I just have a feeling. Yeah, you're right. It's going to happen. It's kind of like in NFL, you hear on every NFL podcast, the referees, the referees, the referees. It's going to be one of those things. Anytime rules yeah. are in sports, it's just going to be a talking point, which how, is okay many... because we are a podcast and <laughs> we need job. talking points. We got to talk about something. So here we are. <laughs> but speaking uh... of talking points, you like this segue? Because we're rolling right into it. I told Ben in chat that uh, we would touch on his comment uh, how... The PDGA for Champions Cup was promoting the event through last cash instead of top payout. Okay? I thought this was weird. It it made sense at the time, but then I was like, that's really weird. Why would you do that? Like, no other sport's telling you, hey, you can come in last cash and I'll give you $100. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to thing. That's not a thing. They're going to be like, <laughs> first place. You get $100,000. It sounds better, right? Oh, it's so much better. But at the same time, they promised no three-figure checks. Nothing under $1,000, right? And <laughs> here we are. Guess what? Tied for 40th place was four individuals that both, all four got a $250 check. <laughs> no three-figure checks. There's <laughs> no your three -figure four three-figure checks. Yep. So, I, you know. I, I mean, what, what do we say about that, though? I mean, that's, that's kind of one of those things where it's like. They advertise the you, wrong what thing. Are you, what they they advertise like, the wrong thing. But even if you advertise, I mean, it's kind of a cool advertisement. Like, hey, you come in last place of cash, you're still going to get $1,000. No. Well, I... if you got you to, gotta, like, make good on that. I don't know, like. 
what, what do you do? What do you do? What do you, I mean, do you cut? You have to cut cash off because all the people who came in fortieth can win. I mean, a, a take the hot round for the fortieth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But think about the guy that's in 39th place. It made $1,011. You know what I mean? He's like, wow, there's four people below me that got $1,000. You know? But it... Mm, eh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, it's, that's just, it's just like a bad taste in your it mouth. It is. Like, it really is. I, I just wish <laughs> that... I wish that they would have at least just held up to their end of the deal. You know, it was like, oh man, we got to come out with another three thousand dollars out of pocket. Sheesh. But well, so Ben and said no one cared about the people who didn't cash at the DGPT finale. And to be fair, technically, if you made it into the DGPT final tournament, everybody cashed. If you made it to the tournament, everybody you cashed. Got and they 2, actually. Yeah, it was a minimum, and they did actually talk about that multiple times throughout, like, the yeah. live coverage. They talked about, like, it doesn't matter what he does here, he's still walking away with four grand because he made it to the second round or whatever right. it was. They talked about it a lot, to be fair. But yeah. still, when push came to shove at the very end of the tournament, all everybody talked about was the $30,000 purse for the winner. And Johnny actually brings up a good debate topic. There is ways you could do it. There's well, so yeah, many. There's so many stats to eliminate ties. Now, that that we're getting more analytical and data driven in the sport, I feel like there is plenty of ways. All you have to do is have Disc Golf Pro Tour set up their tiebreaker rules, and boom. You know what I mean? Like I. Yeah. I that would be an easy solution. Would it? mess over a lot of people yeah probably but i mean at the same time it i i, I kind of like the idea of not having a tie because it does sound kind of corny when i'm like well there was four people tied for fifth it's like first place second place third place fourth place and then fifth place 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 wow that was tongue twister um that was tough, but that, that was tough. Words are hard. Um, what's the fairest state to use first for the stat? Okay, what's the fairest stat to use first for a tiebreaker? Most birdies throughout the weekend. I think I well, okay. So let's debate a little bit. So, at a course like this, it wouldn't necessarily matter because there was no OB, right? Everything played yep. casual. It was what it was. Um, but OB percentage is a good stat because that shows you how well they played or how clean they played. That doesn't necessarily show their scramble, right? That doesn't get considered so much as a scramble. Right. So OB rate would be a good one. Um, and then birdie percentage would be a good one. And then I think probably fairway hits. Um, the only problem with the fairway hits is you are relying on your U-Disc scorers that are 99% of the time volunteers. So, take that with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like, because if there is a one disc there that's like, well, there's a tree on the side that's over here in front of him. I don't really know if this is the fairway or not. Yeah, it's on the fairway. It's fine. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I so I, I probably wouldn't do that, but play, uh, places gained on the final day. <laughs> now you could just simply do it as hot round, uh, the hottest round, right? You could do he had a fifteen down, a one over, a sixteen down, a two over, and somebody else have that was tied. It'd be three nineteen. What's that? So you're talking thirty four total. So you're like eight, 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 and ten, and they're thirty four. But yet the one with the hottest round would win. Quick math. So quick math. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's over do, here. He could have. He like could have just done like forty down and said somebody went ten, 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 and ten. But yeah, but <laughs> I, he went. You he know, went complicated. Yeah, I went brain clicks. I, you know, I. Crinkly brain over here. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I truly think that there would be plenty of ways, endless possibilities that they could come up with a format to do elimination t- for ties. Um, and I would be 100% uh, supportive of that. Uh, fewest bogeys, that's also another good one. Um, Alden Harris would win every single tie that ever made. It was a he was ever in so yeah. uh the man just don't bogey no he plays clean he is the it's, reincarnation it's kind of, of Nate sexton <laughs> but yeah so we touched on that oh but uh question that was also in chat um do you what do you think about like stockpiling um or kind of front loading the payout uh, so as far as like, instead of Chris getting thirteen thousand, and Last Cash getting a thousand, wink, wink. Um, what would it be, look like if Last Cash got five hundred, and first place had twenty thousand? Does does that help the sport? Does that hurt the sport? I. I don't know. I mean, when push comes to shove, a podium finish, regardless of the position, should inherit more cash. I mean, the fact that fourth place got 4800 but third place took 6000 I feel like that gap is not nearly as large as it should be. Right? So there is already a huge mistake in my mind in the way that payouts happen. Um, in terms of like 13 grand to one grand for the last place, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think a front end heavy is going to be better because the thing is you want people fighting for that position, right? And it's not just the covet of the title itself, but you got to put something on the line out there and money is what you put on the line besides the title. I just, I agree. I don't know. It's hard to say. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm with it. Um, Alright, well, you want to go ahead and uh, move forward into a little game segment? Well, let's do some games. Alright. You know we like some games. Alright, so let's start off with the Who Am I segment. Um, I had FPO or I'm going to be in FPO this week, and Daniel will be MPO. Um, who do you want to go first? 
I don't know. You can guess first, and I'll give you my player. I was going to flip a coin, but I don't have one, and I'm upset about it now. But it's okay. I'll go first. All right. Bling. Heads. I called heads. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Who am I? I placed in the top 10. I play for Discraft. I hit 58% of the fairways, which is 73rd, and I putted 94% from circle one, which was 16th. Okay. 94% from circle one was 16th? That's, that's impressive that that many people were above 94%. Well, I mean, when you have somebody who actually goes out there and literally shoots 100. Yeah. Which, luckily, you don't have to consider because he played for Prodigy. Yep. There's your hint. Yeah, That's I, last I hint. knew that one. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's so funny, too, because of how this worked. Um, so, first place was Chris Discraft, but I know that wasn't him because he hit many, much more fairways. Um you had Kent, Ricky, third was Calvin, fourth, three, and Corey plays for Discraft. He's a very good putter. I could see that one. Um, fifth, through. I'm going to go with Corey Ellis. No. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. I cannot think. Because there was, there was no ninth or 10th. It was all through 5th. Why could I not think of who else was... Who else plays for Discraft that made the top 10? Um, it was probably somebody that really sneaky like had a really good sneaky round johnny he plays for discraft so not kj uh kj yeah he plays for prodigy um kj also did not place in the top 10 <laughs> i didn't even where where did kj finish um i don't know i'd have to look he was um 22nd so he's still sitting down in that 20th area that he's been all year right Consistent. Um, did Ben Calloway get in the top ten? No. Ten seconds. Okay. Uh. Uh. Yeah. No, I ain't got nobody. I can't think. Paul Macbeth. Oh. Place ninth. Yeah. And I picked him intentionally because I knew you would pick Corey Ellis over Paul Macbeth because why would I pick Paul Macbeth? Right? <laughs> but Corey Ellis actually hit over 60% of his fairways, which was not that much better, but it was better. And he hit 96% from circle one X. I, I was sincerely worried because, like, I was like, Corey Ellis does not miss putts. I was like, 94% doesn't sound low like it sounds too low um 
yeah, I mean, but, outside of outside of park percentage, really, like Corey Ellis and Paul McBeth had very very similar weekends, yeah. including the fairway hits, which was off by a little bit, but it was only like seven percent. Which at WR WR Jackson, not surprising that you know seven percent is really not that much when you think about that because you can scramble out of non fairway <laughs> hits at WR Jackson pretty well if you're creative. <laughs> you big brain me. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Um, all right. Well, I didn't even get a half a point on my second guess. So, yay me. Um, <laughs> yay me. So, who am I? Also, Discraft player. Also in the okay. top 10. Okay. FPO, obviously. First in OB rate. <laughs> Everybody was first in OB rate. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> okay. There was zero OB, so I just... Well, technically, anything that um, missed Mando is considered OB as well. There was nobody that missed. Everybody tied first. I I looked. I was like, wow, this is impressive. Okay. Um, but yeah, 85% circle 1x putts. But circle 1 putt altogether was 93%. Uh-huh. So that kind of tells you, uh, 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 that tells a story there. And then 24% from circle two. 21% from circle two? 24. 24. Almost made a quarter of them. I know I kind of went through those weird, so if you need me to repeat something, I can. No. I mean, I just I don't feel like you would have tried to big brain me with Paige Pierce here. <laughs> it would be very impressive if you did, but it's always possible that it is her. But I'm going to guess that it is not, which would leave Valerie Mandahano and Missy Gannon for Discraft, I think. I'm waiting on an answer, please. I'm gonna go with Alexis Mandahano. Why did you say Valerie? I meant, I meant. Okay, because I was like, I, I'm, yeah. When I said Discraft, I was, because I, I didn't want to be like not Valerie. I was like, that's not Discraft, but I didn't want to call you out on it. I figured you just made a mistake. Now I called you out on it. Okay, but yeah, <laughs> you got it right. Yes. It was Alexis Mondahano. Um, I just thought that that was an interesting stat, that her circle one putt percentage was higher than her C1X by that much. Yeah. 8%. I mean, it, it was I mean, the biggest was... spread between all of the other Discraft girls. Huh. So That's interesting. Yep. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. That's yeah, it was really hard. I, I couldn't decide. It was really hard. I mean, I thought it was 50-50. It had to be Alexis or Missy. Because um, I know you weren't picking Paige. But. She had a better circle one putt percentage uh, than Paige. But uh, <laughs> Paige had a much better circle two. Yes, because so. she hit a, he, she hit some massive circle two putts as yeah. we didn't. 
She I'm was not gonna lie. she was like forty eight percent circle two or something like that, which is um, really good. Pull it up. Yes, thirties or forties, something like that. All it was right. it was right. much better. Twenty nine percent. Twenty nine percent. Okay. From circle two, but that was ranked second. Yeah, and that was eight made out of. 28 which yeah. is not bad that's not for, bad at all for FBO, I would, that's really good i would take that any day oh, johnny yeah, you were sure. half right you are correct yeah i'm sorry i probably threw you off because i said valerie <laughs> when i meant alexis because i'm not above mixing up the mandahano sisters my bad yeah so i'm sorry for throwing you off like that all right well i have a little bit of a tale of the tape okay you want to talk about it yeah sure let's talk about it let's talk about it all right. Tell me what did you say? And this is a, like there's I feel like there's not any one particular stat that necessarily like speaks to more than any other thing in particular. Um but we'll kind of get into that. Uh Chris Dickerson, fairway hits 79%, park percentage 13%, circle 1s in regulation 53%, and circle 2s in regulation 71%, birdie percentage um, 58%. All three of those, those last three in a row, ranked first in the entire tournament for MPO. Scramble percentage, 93%. That was fifth. And circle 1x putting, 95%. Circle 2 putting was 43%. Versus the highest competitor to have a chance at this win was Ricky Wysocki. 68% fairway hit. 15% park percentage, which was a little bit better. 51% circles in regulation, 68% circles two in regulation, 54% birdie percentage, 90% scramble rate, 88% circle 1x, 33% from circle two. So right off the bat, a couple of things really stood out particularly. Number one, circle 1x. When we watched that final round with Ricky Wysocki, he domed the cage multiple times in circle one which was super uncharacteristic for Ricky to do that kind of a thing. Um, and then, obviously, the scramble percentage was not bad. 90% ranked him 7th. And that 90% included 18 converted and 2 missed scrambles versus 13 converted and 1 missed for Chris Dickerson. I call that out in particular because a higher percentage, number 1, but also number 2, we see that 79 to 68% fairway hits at WR Jackson, that's massive. Like for MPO, that is a huge gap. And then you you put that on top of the fact that he only shot 88% from circle one X on putting, that ranked him 55th in the entire tournament. Oof. That's not good. And don't get me wrong, I mean, Ricky is a fantastic player, but could you imagine the three or four times that we saw him circle one cage a putt on yeah. the final rounds? If he doesn't do that, which we're not used to seeing Ricky do something like that, especially in a final round. Of a major? I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it's Ricky's to lose at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like across the board, Chris all weekend long did everything just a little bit better and two stats did really better. Like. Yep. But that's that's kind of your tale of the tapes. It, it just shows that like how the fact that they were only separated by two strokes when you consider all of those stats is pretty amazing. It shows a lot of resiliency 
by um ricky. by ricky to be where he was considering that he was behind in basically every single stat with the exception of parked percentage which put him at fifth percent he parked 11 times versus chris's nine yeah but that park percentage was not enough to make up for the fact that he missed five circle one x putts yeah that's that is very uncharacteristic but uh it it still could have been close because chris could have changed his game plan if he had made more you know what i mean so it's that's yeah. that's part of the tale of the tapes. That's how it played out. Yeah, it's just those those were the stats that like in particular circle one X putting and fairway hits really just set Chris over the edge in terms of taking down the full victory. Yeah. There were a lot of people, I mean Chris getting first in three different categories in the entire tournament, that always sets up and bodes well for winning a tournament. It does. Of those of those eight categories, if you get first in three or four of them, you're pretty close to guaranteeing yourself a win, unless you're really bad in two or three other character right. categories. Excuse me, which he wasn't. He didn't place lower than twentieth in a single category, whereas Ricky had one, two, three categories that he placed lower than twentieth, and those were thirty fourth, fifty fifth, and forty ninth, which was not good. Numbers are interesting. They That's are. the tale of the tape. Numbers are wild. All right. That's and that that's what's your tale of the tape. That's why I'm get Chris sound won. bites eventually. That that's the tale of the tape. Hey, if y'all hadn't checked it out on Instagram yet, y'all need to go watch the Grandpa Bacon skit <laughs> that I clipped off of <laughs> off of the live stream from last week or the week before. <laughs> should definitely check that out. It's hilarious. I, I almost dropped out of my seat. <laughs> almost dropped out of my seat. But, um... And there's probably like 3,000 views on it, and I guarantee you I've been 21, 2,200 of them. <laughs> <laughs> just watching it over and over I just again. can't help it. Uh, it was funny. <laughs> it was funny to me. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't <laughs> okay. worry about me. <laughs> that That was me. <laughs> Um, Alright, so let's go ahead and go into the disc guessing game. Um, let's do it. Let's do it to it. Do you have one as well? Or do you want to just go back to the one? I mean, I can come up with one on the spot. It's uh, not hard. Yeah, obviously. But you um, go first if you already have one. I do have one. I do have one. Um, I will start the timer. And everybody kind of guess along with him. Um, you let me know when you're ready. Do it to it. And go. Uh, Innova. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was not ready for that. I was not prepared. Um, mid-range. No. Uh, distance driver? Yes. Ooh. Overstable? N yes. Is it stable to overstable? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Gosh, I can't. I can't even think straight right now. There's so many discs that does not narrow it down like at all. <laughs> uh, well, it's not the boss because the boss is true overstable. Um, 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 let's see, thirteen speed. Yes. Okay, Shrike. No. Okay. 
da 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 can't think of one in seconds i can't think of one the mamba's under understable justin um and that's time you get one more question and one more guess for a half point and it's a 13 speed correct i don't know their 13 speed lineup that well that's the only reason I picked this one is like it's kind of a sneaky thirteen, and it's definitely Innova, not like Millennium or anything weird. Like right. That, right? Yeah, it's Innova. Okay. Innova. Is it something with um, destroyer-like numbers? So like five, negative one, three. Yeah. Okay. So that was I your mean, question. Okay. Yeah, I know the the disc, but I can't think of the name. Off the top of my head. Because um, I've never bagged one before. But I can, like, I can picture the disc. <clears throat> but it's not helping me at all. I'm stumped. What is it? The Wraith. Isn't the Wraith 11 speed? It's not. It's a 13, 5, negative 1, 3. No shot. Wraith yeah. is 11 speed. Look it up. What? I'm calling, I'm calling bad notes. Bad notes. Look looking it up. up. Look it Look up. It. Eleven five negative one three. What? Boom. Petition granted for half a point because half you a lied. point awarded. Because if it if I would have got it if I had known it was eleven speed, but thirteen speed, because I know they have a thirteen speed with destroyer. They do. Then what is it? Uh, da, 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 da. let's look. Thirteen oh. five negative one three. That was the numbers I had in my head. Because I know um, strike is thirteen six negative two two. So actually, the boss they've changed the flight numbers on the boss. The boss is thirteen five negative one three. Really? The 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 boss used to be thirteen five zero. Yeah, it used to be zero. Yes, and then you have the groove, which is a negative two. The shrike is a negative two, and then the katana. So yeah, it, I guess it's just the boss. I I know that the G star or not the G star, the Blizzard boss is thirteen five negative one three. Yeah. Um, but I thought the regular boss was still zero, so that's weird. Well, you get half a point. You got that close. Which it is. The picture of the champion boss still says 13503. That's weird. So that's weird. Those certain plastics are more understable and they list that. Yeah, and maybe different plastics are faster on the Wraith. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I was well, going to say, I, I mean, I have, a, I have a Wraith in my bag right now. and I was like, Well, that's, that's why I was, when you said you've never bagged one, I was like, hmm. Like, yeah, because yeah. I know it's an 11 speed because it's, definitely a smaller a thinner rim than my zeus which is a 12 speed and my nuke and my um uh, uh it doesn't matter gosh, my ballista I... my ballista pro that's the one <laughs> yeah great well, misdirection uh... ethan jenkins yes yes well done if you like a wraith try grace justin i can't tell you i've been like I've been like drooling over the grace for a long time now, and I just haven't picked one up yet. So my wife—that's all my wife throws. She throws one disc, and it's the grace. And 
uh, we was playing at Highlands, which is a super long course in Springfield, Tennessee. And she was like, I am not throwing this par five. She's like, I'm not. It would take me six tomahawks to get there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do a celebrity shot. And it was the first time that I got to throw her grace. Let me just tell you the excitement that came over my face when she wanted me to do a celebrity shot with her disc. <laughs> I was giddy. All right? So I full rip on it as hard as I possibly can. Straight. And bro, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you a new one. This one's going in my back. She was like, no, <laughs> that's not fine. It literally just flew so perfectly straight. A little bit of turn. No more than like a five foot window. And it was just on an arrow. I was like, this is an awesome disc. And the royal plastic that Latitude's got going on is like next level. I'm not joking. The royal plastic yeah. is, is amazing. Now, tell everybody before we get into my disc for you to guess. Yeah. Um, tell everybody about that new Trident you got. Because I'm thinking like a Grace in that plastic. Oh my gosh, I might yeah. want that. So, so also, I made a video earlier. Uh, I unboxed the Trident. And I am going to put it on the Instagram of the first throws, backhand and forehand. I did film that earlier. Very weird filming myself, but I did it. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, the I threw it. It's a six-speed, uh, five-glide, negative .53. Um, but it's one of my all-time favorite utility discs, especially for forehand. And... This Opto Ice plastic that they've came out with is oddly familiar. Um, as most of you know from, if you've listened to podcasts recently or previously, I am a huge advocate of the Castaplast Cax. It's my favorite mold, period. Um, however, Castaplast Plastic is also one of my favorite plastics. It's a lot of people's favorite plastic, and it should be, rightfully so. This Opto Ice is the exact same plastic as the K1 soft plastic of the Cax. Like, it's the same color, the same translucence, whatever that word is. It... I put it side by side, same everything, same feel, same grip, same look. I'm like, this is weird. And we do know that Latitude just picked up Castaplast. So I'm wondering if this Opto Ice Blend is not just the Castaplast K1 plastic, or K K1 soft plastic. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking about, too, after you had said something, because um, I forgot that they were calling it the Opto Ice, mm -hmm. was I wonder if the Opto Ice is an attempt to use some of, like, the Castaplast plastics to recreate the old Frost Line as well. Yeah, that's Because the I'm Frost wondering. Line was always a little bit more gummy, a little bit more flexible than um I can do this Opto with the Trident. Yeah. And so Frostline wasn't like that, quite that gummy, but it's definitely a lot more gummy than the Opto. So, yeah, I'm just telling I, you, if if a Grace ended up in that plastic, I would buy it. 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna buy Grace and the Royal Plastic anyways. Yeah, me too. I am. I really am because I I don't really have anything that I really like in that 11 speed area. I don't really like the rake that I have. It's just I have it. Yeah. But I really do want a Grace. I'm gonna get a Grace and a Trust. Um. Yeah. So. All right. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll go on to your disc now. I have a disc for you. Let me get a timer up. Yep, Sorry, yep. I have the base. I have the baseball game on my phone right now. <laughs> you cheater! Cheater? What? I don't know. Sounded good. <laughs> also, because we I gotta we gotta game? figure out a way to do our giveaway for the Music City Open stuff. We do. It's just sitting here, burning a hole on my desk. So. Yeah. It's here. Well, I'll tell you what. Twitter is this close, this close to being a hundred followers. Hey, if you want to do a Twitter giveaway. For 100 followers, I'm this fine close. with it. Um, we can do Twitter. We can do Instagram. We can, we've can. we already done one on Instagram. So yeah. I feel like it needs to be Facebook 200 or Twitter, Inst- 100, uh, Twitter 100. Yeah. All right. I've got a timer ready. I've got a disc ready. Let me All know right. when you're ready. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Trilogy. No. Inaba. No. Discraft. No. Discmania. No. Prodigy. No. Lone Star. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Millennium. No. Infinite. No. Um. Any sub brand. Yes. DGA. Yes. Um. Distance driver. Yes. Bonsai. No. Um, Good guess, though. Rift. No. Sail. Also no. Uh, Ten seconds. Um, um, overstable? Overstable. Okay. Time. Um, I get one more question. Mm-hmm. And that question is Does it start with an S? No. Okay. So that is huge for me. Um because I was thinking the Swift. Um the Swift. Oh. Um so, the only other two that I can think of is the Hurricane and the Hypercane. And I, it could be either one of those. And I, I'm going to go with the Hypercane. Yes. Boom! Let's go! <laughs> I'm impressed yeah. with myself. Yeah, it's, I think that's like the second week in a row where I've gotten like the brand on the first guess. And just stumped myself by being so surprised <laughs> that I couldn't formulate answers. <laughs> and you struggled to get the brand at all. And but I went, with, I, I, I went with DGA because we talked so much about the bonsai, but I knew I couldn't go with the bonsai, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, as soon as, yeah. I just went there because I went ahead and knocked that one out. I took a 50-50 shot on the Hurricane or Hypercane. Hypercane? I, I am honestly surprised and happy that I know that many DGA discs. 
that was not bad. <laughs> that was not a bad run. Yeah. Because I tell you what, I don't know that many VBA discs. Yeah. I have to like pull up the brand in front of me and be like running through the list. Like, yeah, I was <laughs> I was struggling over here, but I was like, they say that the Hypercane is literally one of the best discs in the market. Yeah. I, I don't know. that It's kind of like the Force before the Force, supposedly. So. Well, the, the Hypercane came after, though. No, I meant like, not the Force before the Force, but like the Force baby. Like the Force. Hmm. The Force replica. Yes. Uh, if, so, hmm, how do I put it? If you had a tier level, there's a Force here, and then there's a another disc that's identical except just a little bit less stability it's the force yeah i kind of wanted to try a hypercane but i mean it's it's a beefy brody smith beefy boy throws uh a lot of nukes and hypercanes instead of forces yeah but it must be nice to have that arm speed i mean yeah but (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna complain if i had a you know easy 14 speed arm that would be fun. Yeah, that would be great. I, I would I'd throw a lot of Corvettes. I would enjoy that. Also, did you see, you probably didn't see it, but if you did, go look on your phone right now at the Insta- at our Instagram and look at the picture that I put on there. Oh, I did see it. What is going on with my arm? Like the way that your muscles are contorting? Yeah. And everything? I can see That's my bone. Like. I can see my bone. That's what it looks like. That's weird. It's gnarly, huh? Yeah. Why is it? It's dude? gnarly it's to, crazy to how... see your muscles engage in that type of fashion. It's nuts. It is. My arm was like contorted and sunk in. Like I I don't understand. I, I can't make it do that. The amount of, you just, there's no other way to like really explain what's happening there. It's just the amount that you're flexing your arm at that particular moment is so dramatic that it's visible. It's, yeah. it. You can, and, I mean, it's kind of like when you see slow motion of somebody getting punched in the face and you literally see oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's in true. Like, it's, it's like that. Yeah. But for your arm. Yeah. Slow motion. It's, it's so dramatic when you see it. It blew my mind action. so much that I'm like, my body can do that. I feel way more uh awesome <laughs> i feel way cooler than i did yeah, a week ago like way cooler now all right well uh so we are running in about an hour and 45 minutes already on this episode that leaves us no more than 15 minutes to cover uh jonesboro open i would say all right with that being said we're gonna go ahead and push off um i know we said last week that we would be building the best FPO player um, this week, but we're going to push that off to next week. Uh, forgive us. We just had so much to cover in this one um, without taking our segments of games away. So Yeah. But, I, had, I had basically said when before we started that this episode was going to be two hours long before getting to that segment, and Ethan looked at me and was like, you think so? And I was like, Hundred percent. I guarantee you, we have so much we're gonna ramble about. Yeah, it's, there's no way. We definitely did more do broken some... promises. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Look, we will do it right now. I I don't have to go to bed. I will do it. <laughs> I do have to go to bed. I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> I wake up earlier. Fine. Yeah, but I'm not feeling in tip top shape, and I'm all alone tomorrow, which means I need to get there early. All right. All right. Well, for Jonesboro. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good thing Discord cut you out, Mr. Copyright. I See, I could sing any song because I'm not going to get close. You can actually sing, so there's a difference. Like, we will get copyrighted. We're not going to get, I mean, They're going to be like, like yeah. chicken scratch CD, check mark, copyright claim, can't do it anymore. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, yeah, J so... Justin, also, you're right. I bag a trace from Streamline, and that thing is a workhorse for me. I love it, forehand and backhand. It is very good. It actually is a lot like a grace, to be honest. I can't believe, like, my workhorse the last month or so has been my felon, and I honestly can't believe it. Yeah. It's like that fusion ice felon mm -hmm. um, that it's I got broken from good for you, huh? Macy. It's, it's broken really nice, but I still get, like, trusty fade out of it when I want it. Mm -hmm. I had one throw where I kind of overturned it this last week, but like it was just, it's become a workhorse. And it's really weird because the more that I throw it, the more I realize that I've got my high speed discs really well set in my bag, but I really need to focus on that like 9, 10, 11 speed a little right. bit more. Like I'm so lacking in that area. I've kind of been just... along that way too. Because I've been in this weird spot lately on a lot of these courses because I've added so much distance in the last six months to my throw that I can't throw my Zeus or Ballista and I have to really, really, really pump, you know, the Felon to get to a lot of these holes. And I just need to find something in that like 11 speed and I just don't like the rate that I have. It's just not doing it, so... That's part of why I've really been looking at the grace lately, too. But I need to find something that's just a little bit lower speed than than my Zeus to to get me out there where I'm not trying to soft my Zeus. Because I don't know what it is when I soft my Zeus or Ballista to try to tone down the distance. I just, I can't throw it. <laughs> right. Um. And Justin, he says, get a Sampo or a Sapphire. A Sapphire is already in my bag. It is my max distance Heiser Flip disc. Along with my Pro Starfire. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't even tell you what my max distance disc is because I have three or four of them, and it just depends on the line I need. Yeah. If it's wide open, I'm gonna throw my Zeus because I can flip it up to turn and still get a trusty fade, and it has better glide than like my Ballista or some of my other discs. But if I really, really have room to work with, I, I've i started to work on big Simon Annie's with the Ballista, and that's been a lot of fun to start learning how to do. Right. Because I finally got my arm speed up enough to where it's not just like, it gets up there and then it just kind of... Stalls out, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can actually put enough spin on it to make it glide like it's supposed to. Yeah, so I can actually get it to push forward and right, and then stall forward and then finish. Yeah. So it's been really cool to start learning how to do that. That's groundbreaking territory right there. Um, that means in, in bigger open courses, I can start testing 500 feet. Yep. Testing, testing. Bueller. Testing, testing. Bueller. All right, so Bueller. Jonesboro, Arkansas, right? Yes, sir. Jonesboro Open by Played Against Sports. It's going to be in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pretty full field out there. Um, a lot of the big <laughs> names that we're normally going to be expecting. 115 players on the MPO side registered. All the usual suspects. Um, 
<laughs> how's bragging camp going? Listen, my bragging camp has taken a huge hit this last week after my performance in my tournament. Like, I can't even explain to you, but we won't go over that right now. <laughs> <laughs> cannot, cannot even tell you. But I have fun. I, I'm having fun learning new shots that I've never been able to try before. So that's cool. Are they shots I trust in the tournament? No. Absolutely not. No. Just because I can get a disc out to 500 feet doesn't mean it's a shot I'm going to use in a tournament. Okay? It's what I would play in a tournament versus what I can do physically. Two completely separate worlds. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Jonesboro. Um, yeah. Well. I don't remember this win. course. I don't. Oh. For, for what? I, no, I just don't remember this course. Oh, <laughs> Listen, Jonesboro's, I mean, think of Mill Ridge, if you will. It's just a lot of, like, openness, but Some you, have to choose, you have to choose your lines, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, we've seen Andrew Marweed rip this course up a couple of times. All Pretty much all the big names has, have ripped this course up at least one round or another. Okay. You know I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be mean... open with, with particular lines. I am going to pick my top three, and I'm going to do the same. Uh, Yeah, so I picked Chris for Champions Cup, which that paid off. I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick Calvin this this week. I haven't picked him first yet, and he's always been in my top three. But I haven't picked him first yet. And I'm going to pick him first because I don't know the course that well. And I need Calvin to win. And then I got Ricky second, Chris third. Okay. And my dark horse pick is Brody Smith. Brody Smith can definitely do some work out there. I'm not going to disagree with that. He'll be out there a little, little extra time too. Um, because of the whole skins match. Yes. So I'm actually, I'm a little bit salty about your pick. Okay. <laughs> because I want to pick Calvin again, but now I feel like I can't. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, anybody who can throw low line drives like Calvin is going to fare well at this course. Um, in terms of the rest of my top three, I'm going to pick him for my top three, but I'm not going to pick him to win just because you did. Uh, I think Ricky's going to want some vengeance. And you know what? Eagle McMahon looked very good the last couple of rounds. Um, I don't know if his arm's up to throwing a lot of the distance that you're going to see at Jonesboro compared to W.R. Jackson comparatively. But I'm going to pick him up for there for the top three, and I'm going to say Ricky wins. Okay. Um, I like that. As for a dark horse, I'm going to go with Chandler Fry. The Channel. The Channel. Man, I tweeted, the I tweeted about him a couple on, of times. Man. I know, I've seen that. When the Channel is on, the Channel is scary. Yes. And he has looked very good this year outside of some glaring issues like every player that in a, is in a dark horse situation should have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when he's on, he's scary good. And I'm going to pick him for a dark horse. I'm with it. It's crazy to think that Chandler Fry is a dark horse. But he is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he he really is, but 
he's just a common name, I feel like. A lot of people know him because of his disgusting putting style. Like, it's awesome. His putt, it's scary. His putter is soaking is wet. Always. <laughs> soaking. He's splashing it down from three city. You know what I mean? It's just wild. But uh, It's absolutely wild. Hey, could you imagine? All right, so get this. Uh, another random tangent. Woo! We Don't did me. it. We're doing it. We're doing the <laughs> podcast thing. All right. So, um, imagine if we played a round. This could be a video for us. Nobody else is gonna watch this and take this from us. So don't worry. <laughs> um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. What if we did outside of it? The drive does not really matter so much as much as position placement placement does. Outside of circle two, if you throw it in, it's three points. Outside of circle one, between circle two, 33 to 66 feet, is two points. And anything inside circle one is one point. And you do the first to 21. Ooh. A little 21 game. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, and that almost gets you thinking because it makes you think about actually trying to get to the edge of circle two. Exactly. As opposed to trying to get it into the basket. Because it does not matter how many attempts it takes. So I'm going to be beelining from circle two. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it goes past it, oh well. Bro, I'll tell you what, my berg's never going to see so much work as it will in that video. Oh, see, I'm going to have to pick up a berg. <laughs> oh, God. Something I can throw full force at the basket, but hope that it still is going to, you know, yeah, not just, put me 120 feet past yeah, the basket yeah. when I full <laughs> backhand it, like it right 69 at 69 feet. Noise. Um, yeah. Noise. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> Noise. But yeah, so, so would that not be a pretty cool video? I ain't seen nothing else like that. All right. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back for that one. All right. Um, we already did our Jonesboro picks uh, for MPO. F now we need to do the FPO picks. Some FPO? I went first on MPO. You go first. You take it down. All right. Top three. Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, Haley King. Okay. Uh, you know, Haley King looked a lot better than I really expected her to this weekend. She kind of fell apart a little bit, but the woods will do that to you. It's just yeah. kind of one of those things. Um, but I think I'm going to go with a little bit of a dark horse in terms of picking somebody to win. Yeah. And go with Haley King. Now, the other thing is, I don't want to count Macy Villadiaz out. Um, I'm not going to put her in her top three, but I'm just going to tell you guys, in terms of somebody who I couldn't pick on a dark horse situation to keep an eye on this weekend, it's going to be Macy. Because she's performed well at Jordan Jonesboro before, um, and I think she could do some good things this weekend. For my actual dark horse pick, though, I'm going to go with Holland Handley. That was... That was my dark horse pick. Thank you. You stole Vinny from me. I stole Holland from you. Not fair. My devious plan. <laughs> Not a fan of you right now. Um. All right. So <laughs> my FPO predictions are Kristen in first, Katrina in second.
Macy in third. Right. I'm not putting Paige in my top three right now. Um, and then my dark horse is going to be uh, Rebecca Cox. Soft. I think that's soft. I mean, there's really not... I don't know. I mean, based on her performance the last three tournaments or so, I guess no. Right. But, yeah. I don't know. It's... It's well, still fine, gonna then. I will change it. I'm going Raven Klein, then. All right. So it's going to be Raven Klein versus Holland Hanley. Raven Klein versus Holland Hanley. The Dark Horse matchup of the century. Dun, dun, dun. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> Am I pissing you off, Afa? <laughs> Dot com. All yeah, right. I mean, it's a good field out there. It should be really exciting to see. Um, definitely keep an eye on Kona this weekend, too. I still feel like she's putting some things together, but I've seen a lot of improvement from week to week. Yeah. The last, you know, two or three tournaments in a row. And that's good to see. So if she can start figuring out her putt and one of the things, you know, part of the reason I really want you to keep an eye on Macy as well is really her biggest downfall at MCO was the fact that she putted from every bad position you could imagine possible. Yep. Her circle one putting percentage was terrible, but she was also in circle one in nearly unputtable positions all the yeah, time. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> Just unfortunate. And I know that's one of the things, like at Jonesboro, there's a few spots that are like that, but I think it plays a little more open than Millridge does overall. Um, there are some tougher greens in terms of like the slopes mm-hmm. than MCO, if I remember correctly. Um I think pretty sure Jonesboro was the site of that triple rollaway that Macy had, if you remember. It was also her first appearance on a lead card, though. Right. I do remember. That's the reason that I picked Macy, because of she said that she was most looking forward to Jonesboro. So, yeah. so but I, I can't pick her as a dark horse. I, I would pick her as a dark horse to win the tournament, but she's definitely not a dark she's horse not for a dark top horse, three finish yeah. at all no. in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, Haley King is definitely a dark horse to win, so this is just one of those things. One of them things, yeah. but she's won it before, so, you know. Yeah, not dark horse. But, uh, all right. cons- well, considering how long she's been back, you know. Two hours and two minutes of the Tennessee Twos Disc Golf Podcast, right? In now. the books. In the books. Yeah. I I'm, I lied. She hasn't won Jonesboro before. I was thinking of another tournament for oh, Haley dear. King, but we'll see. We'll see how this one plays out. Yeah, it'll be a good tournament to watch. It's it's a really quick turnaround to go from the major to this uh, to another elite series right away. Yeah, especially after you know kind of having a little bit softer fields in two straight silver series. Yep. So absolutely. But I believe that's all we got for you. Um. Anything else? We hit our two-hour mark. You were right. Um, we do appreciate everybody coming in. Uh, we had a really active chat tonight. Super appreciative of that. Thank you guys so much for being interactive. Um, and for all the, the, the likes and shares. That, that helps us grow. Um, anything that you do uh, to help grow the podcast, we're super, super, super thankful for. 
um, all of the listeners, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, huge shout out to Norway. Um, Norway has been eating and eating and eating more percentage of the U.S. away from us. <laughs> so originally, U.S. was 90% of our listeners. Um, and we had like 17 different countries. And Norway is done up to 16% of our listeners now, along with all of the other countries. So huge shout out to Norway. Um, keep on killing it, and we will keep on trying. <laughs> but thank you guys, and we hope that everyone has a great night tonight, great day tomorrow. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Tuesday night. Laters. Peace.